1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War Callers, my name is Jesse Romero. We're here with Kyle Clement. Kyle Clement is uh, <clears throat> the most literate lay Catholic on planet Earth when it comes to Catholic spiritual warfare. I say that because he's been working with Father Ripperger for the last 16 years as his, uh, as his uh, part of his team, as his uh, number one man. And so uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Hey, Kyle, welcome. You're back two weeks in a row. That's a treat for the audience. Oh, so good to be with you, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Hey, tell us a little bit about uh, some of your apostolic work, how people can get a hold of you and where they can hear you. Oh, thanks. Um, so we're doing several things through Monte Cristo. You can find out about these uh, events at www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net. And so among them are Father Ripperger and I are doing some retreats um, in Wyoming, in the wilderness of Wyoming this summer at Louis Lake Lodge. There is a father-son retreat. There's a mother-daughter retreat. And for the first time, Father's done those in the past, but for the first time, he's doing a single man's retreat. Oh, and this wow. is for young men between 18 and 30 um, who are discerning vocation or even if they've decided on a vocation um, father really wanted to spend some time, um, with young men because it, they're such a, an integral part to the preservation of the faith and the faithful, especially in the times we're in and the times that are coming. And so I encourage you to go to that website, look on that website, um, information about those upcoming retreats. Uh, we've got a couple of conferences in the fall and of course our, um, the primary conference of our, our conference of the year is the, um, is the Virgin Most Powerful Spiritual Warfare Conference we finished last month. You can access those talks on um, VMPR on the website. And that those are the, the primary things we're doing. We also train exorcists once a year, general practitioners, and mental health professionals um, trying to get this Libra Cristo methodology out into more dioceses and into a wider use within the church. And so there's opportunities for, to participate in those trainings, also opportunities to provide scholarships for priests going to the exorcist training. Many of the dioceses are in Chapter 11, or they are not in a position to fund uh, exorcist training. We've also got priests in third world countries who are in need of scholarships. And so that's something that I would like for everyone to consider is supporting those works, either through prayer and or uh, contribution. You can figure all, uh, find out all about that at the Monte Cristo, www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot net. Thank you very much, Jesse. You got it, Kyle. <clears throat> Kyle, there's a word that's bandied out in society. I've heard it from my, even from my young adult kids. They've asked me years and years ago, dad, have you heard of MK Ultra? MK Ultra Mind Control. Never heard of it when I was growing up, uh, probably about 10 years ago. I think I started, may, may have read one or two articles. 
Uh, a quick definition. Then I want to get your take, Kyle. Have you have you ever ever seen this? Uh, you know, live and in living color in front of you uh, in, in a case. Uh, do some of these people become cases? Here's a just a one paragraph definition from from the internet. It says MK Ultra or Project MK Ultra was an illegal human experimentation program designed and undertaken by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency (CIA) intended to develop procedures and identify drugs that could be used in interrogations to weaken individuals and force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. It began in 1953 and was halted in 1973. MKUltra used numerous methods to manipulate its subjects' mental states and brain functions, such as the covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs, especially LSD, and other chemicals without the subject's consent. They used electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, <clears throat> isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. Kyle, have uh, to me it seems, I mean, when I just read that paragraph there, it seems if somebody would be uh, subjected to some of these uh, MK Ultra methods, this would probably open himself up to the diabolical. Have you ever seen a case like this? Yeah, we're familiar with, uh, yes, uh, the short answer is is yes. These um, individuals, because of their experiences, are extremely um, unstable psychologically, and they do not do well with regard to um, possession. So they're, what I mean by that is they're very seldom a target uh, of possession, but they are very uh, controllable and very um, damnable, if you want to use that word, uh, through the lighter methods of obsession, uh, just simply because of their uh, impaired mental state as a result of the programming. There's a, I think this warrants a general instruction in regard to mind control and to programming. Um, and, and if you'd like, um, we can take a little bit of that time, but I think yeah, to yeah. do some foundational. Okay. So we'll do some foundational education for your audience because yep. this is much more uh, prevalent than we think. So MK ultra um, it's, it stands for mind control. Um, MK, the, the K um, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, anytime you see the word uh, a C replaced with a K, then that's a pretty good indicator that there is a deviancy that appears to be normal. So uh, when you see the word magic, magic yes. spelled with a K instead of a C, okay, there's a little diabolical there. You'll mm. hear people who refer to America spelled with a K. Uh, um, yep. pay, yeah, pay, pay attention because that's a little hoof print, if you will. That's a little diabolical hoof print that lets you know there's an evil deviancy going on uh, and all is not what it appears. Got it. Okay. Makes that sense. having been <laughs> that having been said, so mind control essentially is ha happens on three levels of uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary, or one, two, three. What mind control is dependent upon is altered state, an altered physiological and or psychological state, because what mind control is dependent upon is irrational habituation. So if you're looking at Thomistic psychology, the irrational faculties or the faculties which occur below reason are the faculties associated with the body. The reasonable quality are the faculties of intellect and will. 
and these are the higher faculties reserved to the soul. So in order to, to affect mind control there, you have to work on the psychology and physiology uh, of the human. So level one mind control, the altered state there is things like sleep de deprivation, food deprivation, starvation, stimulation of the, uh, of this, the external senses. And a lot of what MK did um, was it, it started, it brought forth things out of the Nuremberg trials that were discovered that the Nazis were doing and the experimental population they were experimenting on was the, or the Jews. But there's an even further precedent because what the Nazis did was they accumulated a tremendous amount of knowledge in all kinds of areas, including torture, occult, mind control, etc. What's another example of mind control? Classic example of mind control, phase level one, is what was happening to the martyrs of Sebest. If you know that story, there were oh, 40 yeah. Roman soldiers who were Christians. They marched them into a freezing pond, and they said, if you will come out and deny Christ, then we'll warm you up. So this is a form of mind control. Yes. It, you alter the That's wicked. Yeah, you alter the physiological. Well, that's exactly what was happening to the martyrs, and it is wicked. Yeah, yeah. And so you take the weakness and susceptibility of the flesh to affect the, um, the soul, the rational quality. And of the 40 martyrs of Sebest, if you'll remember, only one came out, and immediately right. one of the guards replaced him. And so martyrdom and the ordering of the intellect and will to suffering for a redemptive purpose is directly opposed to diabolical psychology. Mind control is dependent upon diabolical psychology or uh -huh. fallen psychology. Hmm. So, so level one is if I can make you tired, I can make you hungry, I can, um, I can make you, uh, I can weaken you some way then I w that's a level one, and you're susceptible to suggestion at that point. The suggestion was deny the Christ. So that goes directly against what they knew to be rationally true in their intellect and their will, and they held firm to it. So what would be a level two? A level two is a violence um, against the corpus, and so this would mean an injuring um, a... a um, St. Sebastian, when they shot the arrows into him. Um, and so now we're upping it. We're taking it to a level two. So um, in satanic ritualistic abuse, what is happening is they're physically abusing the person and then they're uh, providing stimulation such as images um, to which the person now associates the pain with the image. So a good example of, of rational habitual irrational habituation is Pavlov's dogs. And so he conditioned them by feeding them at the sound of a bell that the bell and food were associated. Well, that's not a universal association. It's a, actually an irrational association because nowhere does bell mean food. Yeah. So that's an association oh, oh. they made in their mind. Now oh, you've seen what programming that, is. Hold that thought, Sergeant Kyle. Hold that thought. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, talking about MK Ultra. Wow, this is a deep dive. Didn't realize there was so much to it. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, uh, Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Let's not forget that evil never rests. We've got to fight evil together until the end of our life. Kyle's doing a deep dive on MK Ultra and uh, giving us a, a threefold definition of mind control. Kyle, let me just ask you a question as you continue. You're, you're on level two. You had mentioned in the first segment that mind control is based on fallen psychology, right? I mean, secular psychologists, they use this now, correct? That's precisely right. Um, that is precisely right. And so they it call is it hypnosis, inversion. right? They, they call it hypnosis, correct? <laughs> yeah, hypnosis is certainly one form. Okay. Uh, it okay. is certainly one form, but it is an inversion of the um, faculties of the human person as delineated by St. Thomas. Mm. Okay, so you're on level two here. You're talking about the way uh, you mentioned the way SRA, uh, they physically abuse the person, they show them pictures. The victims now associate the the pictures with this pain, and this is how they control the mind. You want to continue on that? Yeah, and so it's the it's the understanding of irrational um, association or irrational habituation. Now, I'm using irra- irrational in a Thomistic sense, meaning that it, it's happening in the lower faculties. And so, for instance, when you see um, when you see a film of a a mob a chaotic mob of, of what looks like human hyenas swarming an Amazon truck in LA, mm. then what you're seeing is, is a first incident that will become irrational habituation, which means that they're going to associate the Amazon logo and the truck with an op- a looting opportunity. Got it. Wow. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I got it. So, mm-hmm. And well, so that's well, a form of mind control. Well, the, well then the media is doing that to us right now because they show us pictures over and over again showing these anarchists, uh, you know, looting, looting stores, looting uh, huge, huge department stores. And uh, we saw what they did to cities and courthouses and police stations for two and a half years. And they were just trying to normalize it. You would have the anchors right in front saying with a burning police station, they were saying, yes, uh, it's it's mostly a peaceful gathering here, and so they're they're psyopsing us. Now they're doing it through the television, television, and through the mainstream media. Now you're that's exactly the point where I was headed, Jesse. You're two steps ahead. This is the societal application of MK Ultra as designed and articulated mm-hmm. by a guy named Dwight Cameron. Wow. So that's where we're at right now. And it was. That's where we're at right now. And it was pioneered. It was pioneered in Nazi Germany. Well, that says a mouthful. God help us. I mean, very simply. Well, very simply, we're seeing what we're seeing, and we're not seeing what they don't want us to see. In other words, they they basically just control what they control the information. The uh, the New World Order, the globalists, whatever you want to call them, the Great Reset people. Uh, you know, the billionaire boys club, they, they control the communication, they control the, the narrative. And, and also, uh, it, it reminds me, do you remember, Kyle, during, uh, I think, uh, the initial assault against Iraq under under Bush, where the uh, the Taliban, they had, <clears throat> they had a, the guy that we used to call the minister of propaganda, you would see the Taliban getting shellacked by American troops and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, places being destroyed 
and uh, they're they had a guy uh, I forget his name, but he would come out in the news. He'd be putting he'd be saying, "Oh yeah, we are winning. We are winning the Americans." Uh, and uh, yeah, the Americans are in retreat, and you can see right behind them, you know, American bombs are just destroying, you know, half half of Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, I forget what his name was. I think they were they would call him. Uh, uh, but again, that was that's kind of an, what you're talking about. You know, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Move on, move on. When you see, like again, a, a burning police station right behind you, people jumping on top of police cars, and you got a news anchor saying, "Well." Uh, the, uh, tonight, uh, in, uh, in, uh, Oakland, California, it's mostly peaceful. That, that's, that's uh, MK ultra at a, at a wide level. Correct. Correct. Now there's an element of the third level that we need to, that we need to talk about. And so MK ultra ultra meaning the ultimate form of mind programming. So now we've talked about the stimulation, societal stimulation, as well as personal with regard to MK Ultra, but what's necessary is to remember is to alter the state, to alter the the state of the person, and so that's either done level one, two. We talked about is violence. Now three, three is uh, an altering of the state through chemicals and drugs, and that's the portion of MK Ultra that is most discussed on the internet and elsewhere. And that is the understanding. We need to understand that there were large groups of population that were administered military as well as civilian population that were administered hard psycho um, hallucinogenic drugs. The United States for four years was the largest purchaser of LSD. Yeah. And so, wow. LSD is one of the intrinsically evil substances because it has no curative value. So when we talk about intrinsically evil, methamphetamine is an example of an intrinsically evil substance. The tools of abortion are an example of an intrinsically evil object because they can't be used for anything else. And the the drugs have no curative value. So actually, they're not a drug. What they are is a potion. They are a, um, a spell. And so that is the way they work, is they alter the reality, the person's mindset, so that they make a decision that has a spiritual implication. Let me say that again. This is the definition of a spell, so that when um, the when a, a witch or a wizard or a sorcerer casts a spell, it involves the ingestion of something that alters the state of the person, the mental state, and they make a decision, they participate in a grave, an act of grave matter, which will have a spiritual consequence. What that means is when they sin, in, even in that altered state, now that they're wide open to the demon, they're wide open to possession, they're wide open to these things, um, this influence. That's simply the way it works. Interestingly enough, and you'll remember it, we're both of an age that we remember. Do you remember the song Love Potion Number 9? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Like India, got a bottle of Indian ink, mixed it up in my sink. It, it's interesting. That is exactly uh, <laughs> the, mm. the sequence and methodology of how a spell works on us. What's an example of a spell? How about chemically induced contrails? How about RNA vaccines? Mm. How about anything we... Yep. Now you're seeing it. Wow. What's the name of that song again? I'm going to look at the lyrics later on today. 
Love potion number nine. <laughs> Ritual, Ritual, have it up for us and probably play it at the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell Richard if he can get it. We can play it at the break. That'd be good. I want. I definitely want to hear the lyrics. So that's the way a spell works. It's it's all it's. It, in other words, uh, <laughs> they're telling us exactly what they're going to do to us. And uh, that song came out years ago. And it's funny. It's it, it. That's that's the way Satan, the diabolical, seems to work. They'll put something out years ago through the media, and then uh, people are calling it. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. That doesn't happen. That's a conspiracy theory. And ten, twenty years later, here we are in living color. It's happening. Uh, like for example, that movie Soylent Green. People were saying, "Oh, come on! They're never going to do something like that. That's crazy." Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of evidence. Uh, from from some um, very thoughtful thinkers th- uh, that aborted baby fetal stem cells in the vaccines that could be again a form of soylent green, you know, maybe to a lesser That's extent. Precisely right. Yeah, we talked about it on one of these programs as a false Eucharist. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Hmm. <clears throat> and you know and what? So one of the. the What's sad, Kyle, is that our country was part of this uh, MK Ultra from the very beginning. It, it, well, I guess we bought it from Germany, right, from the Nazis, but I, I, we've probably perfected it here, correct? Well, that's exactly right. What we did, uh, what this Cameron fellow did, is he he was on part of the Nuremberg Commission, and he reviewed all of the data, all of the research that was meticulously recorded. And he brought all of that forward, condensed it, made it applicable and made it socially acceptable. And then he was the author of the MK program. And then Helms destroyed all of that because when it became clear in 1973 that all of this was going to, under Gerald Ford, all of this was going to become open and public, exactly what had been done, then what happened was all of that was destroyed. Um, And all of those records, all of that stuff was destroyed. Of course, that was before the digital age. And it was amazing. It was, you know, it was the Nazis went back and researched centuries into this whole idea of mind control, how to control populations, how to manipulate populations, etc. But this is all part of one world government. It's, It's all part of that same movement. Hitler in Nazi Germany was an experiment by the, the Illuminati. Wow. The Illuminati is, uh, they're basically uh, tied at the hip uh, with uh, the Freemasons, aren't they? I mean, it's uh, two secret societies. They have the same goal, a bunch of, uh, you know, woke, liberal, you know, power players uh, that are that are at the well, very least, both of them are at least Luciferian, right? I'm not saying the best way to say Luciferian. Certainly Luciferian, but the best way to understand the Illuminati is this is 13 families. Oh, Freemason, Freemasonry is a construct of the Illuminati. So did Freemasonry, this did, whole idea, did they come from the Illuminati or who came oh, yeah, before? Yeah, yeah. They're a front. They're essentially a front organization for the Illuminati. And, wow. Correct. Wow. Correct. Kyle, and you have you probably dealt with people that were trying to get out of Illuminati and uh, Freemasonry. Uh, in the last 20 years, you've probably run across some of those cases, right? With people trying to get out and they become diabolically afflicted. Yeah, there. Yes, everywhere from security personnel at the Bohemian Grove to high-level practitioners 
um, and, it, and it's enough from around the world and they're telling the same story and they don't know each other. Truth has a way of coming out. And you, you can keep something hidden for several hundred years, but eventually it starts to come out. Um, what we're seeing very clearly is the agendas and manifestos, evil agendas and manifestos that were coming from um, Rockefeller and, and others. And, you know, I've told people for years, when they say you're a conspiracy theorist, I'm no theorist. Um, you see what you see. And then when you're dealing with somebody who is possessed and here, that demon is telling you the same thing that a demon in Spain is telling you one in Ohio is telling you the same thing. One in Spain is telling you with specificity about things that there's no way these people can know anything about. You got to kind of sit up and pay attention to that. Wow. Wednesday war college, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, uh, talking about Catholic spiritual warfare, MK Ultra. I got a question for Kyle next. I'm going to ask him about demons. Some are in heaven. I mean, some are, excuse me, some are in hell. The fallen angels left heaven. And some are here on planet Earth. Got a question about that for Kyle up next. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Call Clement, Psalm 69, verse 2, God, come to help us, Lord, make haste to help us. Uh, this is the flagship uh, verse for this program, Wednesday War College, calling upon the name of Jesus. Kyle, it, when I was watching, when I watched a week and a half ago, the movie Nefarious, it seems like if demons are involved, especially in the case of possession, demons are involved in uh, in the ultimate MK Ultra or the, the mind control, uh, especially in, in, in full possession, the whole psychological compatibility that the demon, uh, you know, this uh, the symbiotic relationship that they have with the with the person, the energumen, the possessed person. It seems to me like if the demons have mastered MK Ultra mind control and possession, am I onto something? Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you started the comment with the concept of psychological compatibility. And so in order for there to be irrational habituation, mind control through hab uh, irrational habituation, one's got to be willing to leave the intellect and, uh, and the will. So, for instance, um, whenever you hear just an example, whenever you hear the drumbeat of racism, 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 and then it's going to be accompanied by films, um, there is a there is a, a, a mistake in the premise. And there always is in, in, mind, in diabolical mind control or in diabolical psychological compatibility. Jesse, there's only one, one race. It's the human race. That's right. We may be different colors. We may be different ethnicities, but we are all human. And so this is a diabolical artifice, which by, if he can get one group of humans to look at another group of humans as intrinsically different, uh, meaning at a racial level, we're not as if we're not different, if we're not the same creature, then he's effectively divided us. And so that's, you see this going on. They're trying to fragment society in the same way that it, you saw in Nefarious, he fragmented the guy's psychology and he occupied, he fully occupied one aspect of the guy's psychology. 
And so what's happening, what you saw there can happen on a societal or even an institutional level. And that's being done by the mass media at this point. Kyle, I don't know if you've read, but but uh, there's six billionaires that own 95% of the media. Six billionaires. You think they're not uh, calling each other up in the morning and saying, okay, this is what we're going to, this is the information we're going to put out uh, on our network. Okay, you guys, we'll do it. We'll do the same in ours. I mean, when you got six people that control the message and the communication and, and the international narrative, that's dangerous. That, that's what I would call, uh, you know, psyops, right? Psychological operations using the media. Yeah, we're being managed like cattle. We, we are literally being managed like cattle. There's an interesting concept in our cow herd. Uh, we do what's called temperament call. And what that means is, is if a cow shows a particular disposition, psychological disposition that's inconsistent with docility, what does that mean in cowboy terms? It means when she tries to, to give you a hook and if she wants to run you over, then she's not psychologically compatible. And so we're going to sell her. She's going to leave the herd. Well, that's a good animal husbandry technique, but that's being used on us. Um, and the thing is, is they're giving us opportunities to identify the outliers. What are opportunities to identify the outliers? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and they've got the algorithm set so that if you distribute or dis- dis- demonstrate behavior that is inconsistent with the one world goal, goal you've just now identified yourself. Well, I've, I've identified myself all day long. Too late for me. Well, you, you and I both, we're, we're a couple of herd quitters. We're, we're a couple of herd quitters, and we're, uh, you know, they, they may not be aware of us, but the, the point is, is we're not going along quietly into that dark night. No, we're not, uh, we're not entering the, the, the boxcars uh, without, uh, without a fight, without extreme resistance. Call That's me. right. I may die on the platform. <laughs> But I will not die in the camp. <laughs> Kyle, I got another question. And this, this is uh, from the audience. I, I saved it for you. It was asked last week. Somebody in the audience asked, and I said, okay, Kyle will be the one to answer this. They asked me in, in relation to demons. They said, okay, you have in the Bible, the Bible says that uh, the demons roam the earth. All right. Demons roam the earth, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. But then the Bible also says that there are some demons that are in chains. I know it says it in, in Jude chapter 6. Uh, the other verse, I'll, I'll, I'll find it right now. But the Bible also says that some demons are in chains. So the question from the audience is, if some demons roam the earth freely and some demons are in chains well then uh can demons transport themselves from hell to planet earth uh god permitting are they allowed to do that and uh, yeah the other verses in second peter chapter 2 verse 4 let me read it for you it says uh <clears throat> it says god spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And the other verse in Jude, Jude verse 6, it says, The angels which, uh, which kept not their first state, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. 
Yeah, so the question is, uh, can demons travel from hell to earth and back to hell? Uh, I, you know, we know that they can only be in one place at one time, but can they, they do that? Or the demons that are in hell, consigned to hell, never to come out, and the demons that are here upon the earth, just roaming the earth until uh, the second coming of Christ? Okay, so it, it's a, it is a complex it's a question. However, we can sort through it. We can parse through it. So first of all, when you say they, they roam freely, the demon does nothing freely. It has been our experience. It's borne out over years and thousands of cases that the demon is the most tightly regulated um, creature in all the cosmos. And the two primary things which constrain him or limit his um, autonomy, if you will, Number one is his fallen nature because he's not capable of repentance. Um, he made his decision with a fully formed intellect, and so he's not a, he was not open to revelation that would necessitate or enable him to repent. Um, now this is a this is a settled element of theology, and it goes back centuries. But modernly, and even some exorcists uh, ascribe to the heretical under thought that. The demons are not beyond redemption. Well, they are. They are, it, that's a settled matter of theology, and the demons themselves will will tell you this. So um, that's one point: is that their fallen nature will not allow them to act outside their fallen nature or contrary to their fallen nature. Humans, on the other hand, we can act contrary to our nature. We're subject to ongoing revelation, repentance, metanoia, conversion, etc. The demon is not capable metaphysically of conversion. He cannot be converted. Once he's perverted, he can't be reclaimed. Think of it as virginity. Once virginity is lost, it can't be reclaimed. Got it. Um, yep. So then the other thing that constricts them is God's providence. They do nothing without being allowed or to the extent that they are allowed. Got and it. so that's yep. an important con concept to, to realize. And so those are two primary rules of engagement <clears throat> that the Lord has placed uh, on them. And so then if you look at what happened to demons after the fall, it's, it's consistent with in, in two ways with what happens to us at death. So we as Catholics understand that the first thing that happens, uh, it's, it's said immediately upon death, and the immediately is best translated as sequentially the next thing that happens. Because when you die, soul separates from body, and then time no longer is operative in the way that it is when soul and body are together because the soul now starts to move into the ethereal or the eternal the body is bound to the earth and that's why it rots when it when the soul leaves it it begins to rot so at that separation now what happens to the soul is we go to particular judgment and particular judgment is the sorting of the sheep and the goats it's not final judgment and so the soul, um, we're taught and we understand, and it's settled doctrine and dogma that we would go to purgatory, whereby we would, in fact, atone for 
and be cleansed of our sin and the temporal consequences of sin so that we may be made ready for the beatific vision. It's all functional theology. For the demon, when they rebelled, then what happens is many of them, because of their estate, borrowing from Jude, what they were responsible for, expounding upon to those that much is given, much is expected, there are certain angels that when they fell, they were of such a stature and magnitude that they're relegated to hell. And so almost in a a form of particular judgment, they're going to be regulated to hell not to return. So, and and those are the ones, I guess that Jude would say in St. Peter, they were the ones that were in chains. I guess that's, that's a way of saying that they're, that they're consigned to hell forever. Correct. They're, they're bound. That's correct. And so, Final judgment for them is just going to be an affirmation for all demons is just going to be an affirmation uh, of their sin at the fall. Got it. So, so Kyle, so we know angels and and demons are fallen angels. Angels, they transport themselves or they move by speed of thought. Uh, I, I guess the same would apply to demons, correct? That's correct. The demons can do that provided God allows it. And it is requisite with their, um, again, they can't act, out, act outside their nature. So only according to their will may they move in their will. What does that mean? It means that a demon of larceny does not become a demon of perversion. A demon of um, anger does not become a demon of lust. Now, he thought, may Kyle. draw. A- we'll be right back. Hard break. Just from Eric Kyle Clement, Wednesday War College. Stick around. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John chapter 1, verse 5. Wednesday, War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We're talking about uh, angels and demons. And Kyle, uh, what you said the last segment, it just it's, it, it's completely consistent with what we see in Job chapter 1, where uh, Satan's roaming the earth, uh, and uh, he asks God permission if he can tempt Job, and God gives him permission. But uh, he also gives them some limitations as well. <clears throat> so that's uh, we see in Scripture it's very consistent with what you just said. So Kyle, so the question remains: uh, sometimes God permitting souls in purgatory are allowed to come and visit uh, to come back here on planet Earth and retrace their steps. I know that's not uh, that's not dogmatic theology. That's more speculative theology. But that seems to it seems to be consistent with what a lot of theologians teach and believe. And so my question is, uh, God permitting a soul in purgatory can come back to earth. Well, God permitting, uh, can a demon in hell come back to earth and then back to hell? Or the ones that are bound in hell, fixed in hell, and the ones that are here uh, here on planet earth now will be here on planet earth until the second coming of Christ, until they're consigned to hell forever by at, at, at the Lord's second coming. And so you've got both. Um, you've got it, it. There's not a universal principle there. There's a dual principle. And so there are some demons that are relegated to hell, not to return. 
Um, and then there are others which uh, cycle, if you will. Okay. And so you, you bring up a good point with regard to deliverance ministry, and that is when we exceed authority. Um, and so while the exorcistic formula uh, correctly done sends demons to the foot of the cross, that's to a place of judgment. It's not a, um, a final, it's not a judgment. So when you send a demon to hell, when someone says, I send you to hell, that that's beyond their authority uh, because now it, it proposes and infers a judgment has been made by the human over the demon. And so while the, the human may be empowered and authorized to, in certain sense, uh, instances to do exorcism, to expel the demon from the place, he's not authorized for final disposition. That is God's purview alone. Um, and so, yeah, you'll see demons that are cast uh, quite often from a person, but they may or may not be sent to hell for a period of time. They may or may not um, go anywhere else. It's the essentially the exorcistic formula is I don't care where you go, but you got to leave here. And so um, <laughs> we, we can't become in, we can't become involved with or concerned with the disposition of this particular demon beyond that it leave the, this person or place. Got it. So uh, so like you said, so, so some so some demons do cycle some from from hell to earth and back. That's correct. And the demons that cycle from hell to earth and back are those demons which God is employing. He's actually using their fallen nature as a methodology of salvation, and it's part of the justice against them. So ultimately, God is justice. And so whatever he does is going to serve a, a justice, an element of justice. So a demon that is insistent, so for instance, in the nefarious movie, um, that particular demon is going to be driven to uh, possess another person. And so what, what will happen is, is if ever one of those persons possessed will have the opportunity to turn to God, to turn to the church, if they do turn to God and turn to the church and they go through a conversion, then that demon has to be present to that corpus or that human body that is now being flooded with grace, that is now experiencing the sacraments, that is now experiencing God's mercy. What a great torment for the demon. Mm. Got it. Wow, that makes that makes sense. <clears throat> Carl, let me just, we have a few minutes left. Uh, anything else you want to mention about the movie, uh, the movie Nefarious? And, and I think as Catholics, some people will go watch the movie out of curiosity, and that's not, that's, that should not be the motive for Catholics to be curious. Can you explain to the audience, when a Catholic watches a movie like that, like, for example, I, I study that movie, I, I come home, I meditate, I reflect, I think about all the spiritual theology, the spiritual warfare theology that I've learned, how do I apply it in my life, uh, it should make my, my prayer life stronger. I should be. Uh, it should. It should give me more resolve to pray and be sacramental. So, talk about the difference between somebody just saying, "Hey, let's go to the movies, buy some pizza, and, and uh, you know, and, and buy a big slushy and and watch the movie Nefarious and uh, get a kick out of it," versus somebody else that says, "I need to go here to watch this movie to understand what we're up against because I want to be a holier, better Catholic Christian." Talk about the difference between watching something like that curiously 
and studiously. Thanks, Jesse, because I think it's a really good opportunity for us to talk to our families, to talk to other, uh, to talk to men, um, just to talk to Catholics in general about this. This. So first of all is um, the understanding that things are either a when this program is about MK Ultra and about mind programming, mind control. So everything that you take into your body is either nutritive or poison. Everything you take into your mind is either nutritive or poison. Poison is the opposite of nutritive. Poison does violence to the to the corpus or to the mind or to the psychology. Nutritive means it in, it enhances it, it builds it up um, in a good way. And so things are put it scripturally. Everything that we encounter is either clean or unclean. Mm. And so nefarious passes a very important test because it passes the test of Catholics that if we take in media, books, movies, etc., if we take in media, we are obliged that it be consistent with our Catholic faith, not in the minutia, but in the broad context. Is there anything that is inconsistent with our Catholic faith? And nefarious passes that test. It's very rare. And in passing that test, it is counter programming, meaning counter um, evil programming. This is why it's getting the response it's getting from the left. The diabolically inspired left sees this movie as a counter programming tool because it brings forward very, very clearly, extremely clearly the understanding that abortion is murder, that uh, hospice, uh, euthanasia is murder. And these are sacred sacraments for the other side. These are these are false sacraments for the diabolical, and it attacks them directly, straight up, the demon speaking. It's not a movie to be watched to gain anything about exorcism, because it's not informative in that way. But what it is informative is, here is what we're looking at as... Um, it is an example of mind control. It is an example of psychological compatibility and areas of non-compatibility. It is clear that the diabolical has used these certain areas um, to foster and to, to promote evil or um, irrational habituation. We've become numb to a lot of these things. Um, and so I think the movie has a lot of valuable um, points to be made, not the least of which is um, how we've become programmed um, to to these things as being innocuous when in fact they are not, they are poisonous. And I think that if we get back scripturally to, to the understanding of everything that we do, every breath we take, every move we make takes us closer to or further from God. It's either nutritive or it's poison. It either inures to our benefit or to our malefice. And there really is no, um, there's no lateral movement. And a lot of it has to do with our disposition. And I think you bring that point up is how, what is your disposition when you go to this movie? Uh, is it out of curiosity? Is it out of studiosity? Um, what, what motivates you to watch this movie? And um, I, um, I think it has a lot of, of, uh, of value, especially to our society. If for nothing else, it's a prick of conscience, if you will. And after all, that is the purpose of, of Catholicism and us as Catholics is to be the voice uh, of morals and reason, to be the, the voice when nobody else is, the voice of virtue, 
to, to be that white cap of virtue and a sea of, of viciousness, a sea of depravity. And this is an opportunity to, to look at that movie and to say, okay, how do I actually feel about these things? What's my interior disposition? This is coming home to us in spades because we did not oppose no-fault divorce. We got the degradation of marriage because we did not oppose homosexuality now we're getting pedophilia because we do not oppose pedophilia we're going to get cannibalism that's where we're headed next and i would propose to you that we're already seeing elements of cannibalism we've already seen uh they're trying to normalize pedophilia right now there are those um who were talking about this 15 20 years ago but the the left will never give you a mea culpa. They will never um, turn aside. They they will not. And so don't we don't as Catholics shouldn't expect that. But we simply have to tell the truth and and continue to bear witness to our Lord. Amen. You're listening to Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Colla Clement, and it's no wonder that Saint Paul says over and over again phrases like, uh, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal." of your mind renewal of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of god we can't renew our mind unless we have as saint paul says in other places unless we put on the mind of christ that means we must live in a state of grace we must be able to discern the clean from the unclean we must have a dedicated prayer life a dedicated sacramental life uh we must pray our rosaries every single day our, our our 50 caliber bandolero called the holy rosary Kyle, uh, that's a wrap, my friend. Thanks a lot for uh, for being on the hot seat, and thanks for giving us uh, uh, instructions on Catholic spiritual warfare. One more time, how can people get a hold of you to hear some of your lectures? So you go to www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net, and there is an events uh, tab on there. It tells you all about all the retreats, conferences, and various things coming up. And there are also um, quite a few videos and uh, other material there free of charge to watch. And then I want to really um, promote, we're doing a a daily podcast called Reclamation Theology. Um, And so it's a short recording early in the morning, uh, available every day, gives you a kind of a reflection point for the day. It's a subscription rate. It's $10 a month. But what that allows us to do is maintain the platform. And it's this is available to seminarians and to priests at no charge. And so Amen. to make this available to, to, to a priest or to seminarians or to people that you know that you'd like to have it religious, um, it's a... I, uh, I, I'm very pleased with the way that's going, and I, I want to highly encourage you to check that out. That's a wrap, Kyle. Thanks a lot, brother. God bless you. We are EOW, end of watch. God bless you. Keep the faith. Up next, Gary Machuda.